0: We've been studying, as you know, in the book of James. James is a very practical book of the Bible. And there's a key thought in the book of James. Key thought is basically, here in the last part of chapter 2, faith without works is dead. And so we ask ourselves, Is my faith a living faith, a genuine, vital faith, or is it the dead faith that is being described here? Let's begin reading in chapter 2 with verse 14. This is very much a classical section. It's important that we grasp what's really being said here. James was concerned because... In his situation, he found people who claimed to have faith, and yet evidence of a living faith was lacking in their lives. Their lives didn't really reflect the faith they claimed to have. So he's giving this classical passage dealing with faith. Works are brought in. And sometimes people get perhaps a little led astray because a couple places it talks about being justified by works. But we have to really understand what's he talking about here. Beginning then, let's read the whole passage, James 2, verse 14. What does it profit, my brothers, although a man says that he has faith, And doesn't have works. Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be without clothing and destitute of daily food, and one of you say to them, go on in peace, be warmed and filled, nevertheless you don't give them those things that are needful to the body, what does it profit In other words, these people have need, they're Christians, apparently, good people, trying to trust God and follow God, and they don't have food, they don't have clothing, and you pat them on the back and say, well, God bless you, brother, and you could help them physically with food and clothes, and you don't. That's what he's talking about here people that claimed to be Christians and yet came right down to it, was there evidence that they really had a living faith? Even so, here's the conclusion, verse 17. Faith, if it does not have works, is dead, being alone. Well, dropping dropping down to verse 20, same thing. Will you know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead in verse 28 six rather the last verse because as the body without the spirit or breath is dead so faith without works is also dead so you see basically three times this is what he's coming to the conclusion of faith without works it's dead So three times he says this, this is what he's driving at, this is what he's trying to help the people to see, that along with faith, we need to have evidence that the faith is alive and not dead by how we live. And so the first example here we read about, people you see, they need food, they need clothing, you can help them and you don't. I don't think this is an all-out thing to help everybody that carries a sign and says that they need help. I think scripture tells us back in Proverbs, talks about those that are worthy, too, of, of receiving help. Even in the New Testament, they apparently had those who refused to work, but they expected handouts And very strongly it tells us in the New Testament, if you won't work, you refuse to work, don't let you eat. (laughs) So there are those who are worthy and shows our faith if we help them, shows something else if we don't. So the key thought of the whole passage is this, faith without works is dead. And so it encourages us to ask ourselves in our lives, does my life reflect a living faith? Does it really show that I truly have faith? Now it's important to ask ourselves, what is, what is it talking about when it says faith? Another synonym of faith is trust. It involves belief. To answer the question, what what is faith really talking about here? What's he saying? Go back to the first verse of this chapter. Chapter 2, verse 1. My brothers, do not have the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. Highlights one aspect. But he's talking about the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about trusting in Jesus. He's called the Lord of glory. We talked about that last Sunday. That's the kind of faith he's talking about. We depend on him. We acknowledge who he is. Lord of glory. He's God with us. He's the son of God. He's the Messiah. He was without sin, but then he died on the cross taking our sin upon himself. He was punished in our place. That's the faith it's talking about. So he's talking to people who claim to have this kind of faith, a trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, God's eternal Son, not only died for us, but who rose from the dead in a glorious body. That kind of faith, if it's true and genuine, will have evidence in our daily lives. And so we have this negative Illustration where they fail to show that evidence, where they refuse to help fellow Christian, as it were, with necessities of life. But then there's another negative illustration that comes to the fore here verses 19 and 20. You believe that there is one God, you do well. The devils, the demons, also believe. And tremble. But will you know, O feudal man, that faith without works is dead? So he uses the demons, the devil, as a great illustration. They're correct in orthodoxy. Have a couple of scriptures down in your sheet there, Mark one twenty-four and Mark 5:7, where the demonic forces acknowledge who Jesus is. They acknowledge him. They know he's the son of God. (laughs) They know he has power. They know he's the Lord of glory. But they're not saved. And so what an illustration that is. And it comes to the same conclusion. As we said here in verse 20, faith without works is dead. But then he has two positive illustrations, two beautiful illustrations of living faith, a faith that is not dead, a faith that produces something, a faith in Jesus that shows itself to be genuine and real. And what is that? Well, first of all, it's with Abraham. Beginning in verse 21, Was not Abraham our father, You see, he was their ancestor, the Jewish people. Was he not justified by works? Well, that's an interesting phrase, justified by works. When he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar, do you see then how faith worked with his works, and by works, faith was made perfect or complete? Now a key word there is how, in verse 22. Do you see how faith worked along with his works and by works, faith was made complete? What's really being talked about is not works. What's really being talked about is faith, living trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, faith in the Lord of glory, But he says, You see how faith worked with the works, and how it is that this is so. So the word how is very significant. It occurs again in verse 24. You see then how by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. So it's saying, In what sense? We are justified by works. The answer is we're justified by works in the sense that it shows the reality of a living faith. It shows our faith to be alive and not dead. And we don't want to rely on a dead faith to carry us through life, do we? We need a living faith. But the key thing is you see how this is so. In what sense? do works justify in the sense that it shows the reality of your faith. But this is not in conflict with Reformation theology, that we're saved by faith alone. Romans 1.17 was a great verse for Martin Luther. I understand he may have written there in his Bible the word in Latin sola, alone or only. We're saved by that alone. So when it says in this passage of James 2 that we're justified by works, we have to understand in what sense we're justified by works. As I said, faith is being pronounced upon, not so much works. Faith is seen to be dead or alive either by the presence or the absence of a changed life. Once you grasp that, then you give all the glory to God once you grasp that, you realize that anything good you may do as God does it through you doesn't get your sins forgiven. It's your faith in Jesus, a living vital faith. That's what really, truly counts. Now, I didn't read uh, verse 23 and onward. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God And it was imputed to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Actually, it's referring back to Genesis 15, verse 6, where God said he would have descendants numbering like the stars of heaven. God knew his heart. God knew that he truly believed that. And the giving of Isaac years later proved that he truly believed it. Now that was a rather horrifying command that God gave to Abraham. This very special son, this miracle child, born in their old age when they were well beyond at least his wife beyond the age of childbearing. This was the chosen child, the one that would represent Jesus. And now God tells Abraham to go out and offer him as a a sacrifice. Abraham knew that God had spoken. I think sometimes people think God tells them to do something and he really didn't possibly tell him to do those things. But in this case, there was no question. God told Abraham to go out and give his son as a sacrifice. You can read about it in Genesis chapter 22. Well, he actually then went with some servants and then he left them behind. He had his son carry some wood and... They went up on Mount Moriah. We think the temple then was eventually built on that spot. And they prepared everything. And then the dad tied up the son. He was on the altar. He had the knife in his hand ready to offer him a sacrifice. God said, don't do it. He sent an angel. Now I know that you fear God. He might have also said, now I know that you truly have faith, a living, vital faith. Now you might say, well, how did that show that Abraham had faith? That question is answered in Hebrews chapter 11. It talks about the very incident. And it explains that since God had promised through Isaac that there would be deliverance, that he would have many ancestors through Isaac, Abraham had the faith to know, after I kill him and offer him a sacrifice, in order f- to fulfill that promise that I'm going to have all these descendants like the stars of the sky in number, God is going to raise up Isaac from the dead. His willingness to follow through with that awful command was based on his faith, his living faith. Not something, of course, he wanted to do. But he said in order for God to do what he's promised, he has to raise Isaac from the dead. And he truly believed it, so he was willing to follow through with what he had been told to do. An amazing thing when you really think about it. What a picture of the giving of God's only son through whom many spiritual descendants would come. In Isaac's case, of course, many physical descendants were talked about. So, yes, it showed Abraham's faith. Now, chapter 4 of Romans is pretty well devoted to the faith of Abraham. And it quotes from Genesis 15:6, as I mentioned. And here we talk about later, years later, the giving of Isaac. And so what a beautiful chapter that is. Let's look at it just for a moment here. Romans chapter 4. Let's read verses 3, 4, and 5. What says the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him or imputed to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the reward is not considered from grace, but from debt. But to him who does not work, he's not working for his salvation, but instead he believes on him who justifies the ungodly. That's a quite a statement, justifies the ungodly. And while we're justified, we're still, I believe, in ourselves ungodly. God justifies the ungodly. His faith is counted for Righteousness. Well, that's very clear. And back, as I said, in chapter 1, verse 17, the just shall live by faith. And then after chapter 4, chapter 5, verse 1 of Romans, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a beautiful thing. This is so important. I actually had Audrey put it here in the bulletin about the middle of the page there, Abraham was justified by works, verse 21, and we should also add verses 22, 24, and 25, only in the sense that his faith was seen to be alive, not dead, by his offering of Isaac, Genesis 22, 1-18. It is his faith that is being described We might add, same with Rahab that we're going to talk about in a moment here. Reformation theology stands intact, that we are saved by faith alone, sola, Romans 1.17. So anyway, you might want to read that passage in Romans 4 also this afternoon. But not only that, there's another person that was saved by faith that's used as a positive example, And it's Rahab. After in verse 24 he says, You see then how that by works, in what sense, by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab, who was she? The prostitute it says, the harlot. Was she not justified by works in the same sense we've been talking about? When she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. Because like the body without the breath is dead, so faith without works is also dead. Well, you can read about what happened with this prostitute, Rahab. She was in Jericho. You remember when they crossed the Jordan River, Jericho was a great walled city. And God was going to give them victory over Jericho, but there was a problem Jericho has a big wall around it. How are they going to get through? Well, they sent a couple of spies to check things out. And they were in Jericho ahead of time looking things over. And they went to Rahab's place. And rumor got to the the mayor, the king, that she was harboring some Israelites coming in to conquer the land. And so they confronted her with that. And what she'd done, she hid them at her place, but she risked her life hiding that fact. If they had found them, what would have happened to her, do you think? No doubt she and maybe her whole family would have been executed. She was siding with the enemy. She was a traitor to the people in Jericho. But that proved she had a real faith in the living God. She knew he was going to win out. Even though she'd been living a sinful lifestyle, somehow she was able to understand that God was God. And we sang about that too, about him being stronger and so forth, and how he should, in so many words, be everything to us. Well, she was put everything on the line, wasn't she? All they had to do is discover who she'd hidden, and they would have, as I said, no doubt executed her. That shows she had real living faith that she was willing to do that. We could see that her faith was genuine and a living faith. So she made up a story that they had already left and go chase them, and, but she advised them instead to don't go back yet. Hide yourself for a few days here, and then after they stop looking, then, then you can go back. So she's a great example of faith, a living faith. So she, like Abraham, showed by their lives that they truly had a living and not a dead faith in God Almighty. Now, what's it saying back here in verse 18? James 2, 18. Yes, a man may say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. How can we know if a person has a genuine and a living faith. But the only way we can know is how they express it in their daily lives, how they live, how they treat other people, how they follow God's commands, how they truly show that they believe in a living, all-powerful God and a Savior, the Lord Jesus. So what he's really saying is, you prove to me that you have faith, Without a change in life, without works, without a good lifestyle, without following God, you prove to me you have faith. I'll prove to you by how I live. In other words, I'll show my faith by my actions. And for us, we can't, like God, read the heart, like with Abraham and the stars, and believing that he would have innumerable descendants. As humans, the way you prove to me you got faith is how you live your life. (laughs) That's what Abraham did. That's what Rahab did. And when they came in and conquered Jericho and the walls fell down, Rahab and her household were saved. She'd put a scarlet piece of cloth out on the window there, and somehow, apparently, that part did not crumble and she had all her family gather there with her. And Joshua honored the promise of the spies that she would be saved and her house. And they were. And it was a living faith, and it caused them all to live. Because of their faith, they were not executed along with the rest of the people of Jericho. A great battle God won it, but out of it he plucked a sinner and her family because she had a genuine, living, true faith. So that's what the passage is talking about. And I think all of us are seeking to show our faith by our lives. We're trying to live for the Lord and show that we truly believe in Jesus. We trust in him. A living faith in the living Lord Lord of glory, King of kings, and Lord of lords. So you see when it talks about being justified by works, you see in what sense it's talking about justification by works. In the sense that the works prove the validity and genuineness of the faith that is being professed. And so as I said, Reformation theology Highlighted by Luther and by others is we're saved by faith and only by faith. Luther had a problem with the book of James. Somehow he didn't really grasp, I think, what we're talking about today. He was a student. He knew the languages. And I believe he was a saved man and had a genuine faith and showed it by how he lived. But on the other hand, he didn't quite grasp... (laughs) what James is saying here. In fact, I understand he called the book of James an epistle, a letter of straw. (laughs) He didn't think it was worth much. But he didn't say it shouldn't be in the Bible. He also thought that about, I understand, the book of Revelation. And many people, I think, make pretty dogmatic and sometimes grotesque interpretations of the book of Revelation. At any rate... It's all a part of God's word, and God knows how it's to be understood. But remember, as we come to this latter part of James chapter two, the word how, in verses 22 and 24. In what sense we're justified by works, in the sense that the works prove the reality of our faith, whether it's alive or dead. And so they should encourage us to keep trusting in the Lord and to fully trust in him and to prove it by the way we live our lives. The kind of witnesses we are for Jesus, the kind of light we let shine brightly through us as we love one another, as we share the good news with the lost, as we seek day by day, pretty well pointed out again in these songs. I hope you listen to the words and really think about it what we sing. It's a great time of meditation of truths of the Lord, of day by day living for Jesus in whom we trust. Next Sunday, Lord willing, we'll be talking about chapter three of James. Following Sunday, we'll be gone to a wedding of a granddaughter, religious wedding, And I see you've already secured a a person to fill in, which is wonderful. Audrey likes to do things ahead of time and have it all settled, which I'm with her on that. That's a good idea. (laughs) So we look to God to bless in a couple weeks from now as you have a special speaker again. It's good to be with you today, and may we have a, a prayer of dedication. May we in our hearts... Pray to God, Lord, by your grace, I fully trust in you. By your grace, I would have a living faith. With your help, I will show my faith by how I live, by my obedience and love to you and to love to your people. Lord, now I would commit myself anew and afresh to you. Forgive me where I fail. May you be honored and glorified in my life. Thank you that you get all the credit for forgiveness and eternal life by grace given to me. I accept it. Thank you so much. Bless our church. Guide us in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.